Welcome to another episode of the Feminist Survival Project 2020. I'm Emily Nagoski. I'm Amelia Nagoski. And this is a podcast for people who feel overwhelmed and exhausted by everything they have to do and still worry that they're not doing enough. So it's a little ironic that today's podcast is about gratitude. Gratitude. So if you're like, yes, gratitude, gratitude. it is so about gratitude. So good for you. You are right. It is so good for you, and you are right. Gratitude is so good for you. And it's so hard. Have there ever been a time when someone was like, mm, just be so grateful for what you do you have. Be so grateful. Be so grateful for How your far health. We've come. I mean, a hundred years ago, we didn't have the right to vote. You should be so grateful. Be grateful that you have a loving family. Be grateful you have a roof over your head. Food to eat. Yeah, you should be great. You should be grateful. Why can't you just be grateful just for be what grateful, you have? You selfish fucking bitch. It is absolutely true that gratitude gets used against feminists in particular as a weapon because it is good for you and we have come a long way. Mm-hmm. But just because we've come a long way doesn't mean we're close to where we need to be. Mm-mm. And being grateful and aware of how far we've come does not erase how much further we still have to go. It doesn't erase the suffering you've experienced. It doesn't erase the bad things that have happened and are happening. We are not prescribing gratitude as an antidote to pathological bullshit happening around you. That is not what gratitude fixes. Gratitude does not exist in place of your anger or in place of your fear or in place of your discomfort and what's the word I'm looking for? Dissatisfaction with the fact that things are not as they should be. Gratitude exists alongside those things and you oscillate from gratitude for the things we're going to talk about that are effective to be grateful for to the anger that we need to change the things we need to change back to gratitude for the other things back to fear back to rage back to gratitude gratitude is not a fixed state and yeah gratitude's good for you but it is not good for you if you just stay grateful the whole time that is yo the do i Okay, so two things I did wrong in my initial practice of gratitude. It was sometime in the 2000s, like the first decade of this century. I think Oprah had a show on gratitude and I was like, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try gratitude. And basically what I learned from the TV and radio and stuff was that to practice gratitude, you make a list of things you are grateful for each day. And uh, so I, I made my list. A lot. I've heard that a lot. Yeah, it's the advice that gets given. Mm-hmm. You make the list, and I tried it. I'm grateful to have a roof over my head. I'm grateful to have enough food to eat. I'm grateful for my supportive friends. I'm grateful to be able to be a student and in school. And two things happened at the same time that I was being grateful for all those things. First of all, I became enraged by the necessity of being grateful for things that are human rights yeah a roof over my head and food to eat like why am i required to like sit down and take time to say reflect on how good it is that i am not houseless and starving yeah that doesn't make sense to me and then the second thing was when I started thinking about, okay, so that roof over my head and the food I'm eating and the education I'm getting are all going on student loans that I'm going to be paying off for literally decades. decades. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm so grateful that I'm going to have to spend the rest of my life paying literally for my basic human rights right now. Okay, so it was a complicated experience, but also there was a whole other level of like, I'm a jerk, I'm an asshole, because why couldn't I just stay grateful and aware of how blessed I was? And for realsy, how lucky, like, that I get to like live in a warm, comfortable home and eat nourishing food and be a professional student and do work I love that's intellectually fulfilling and I'm so grateful for that. And what kind of asshole am I to resent having to pause and feel grateful for that? Like, if you are criticizing me in your head, you're feeling like, damn, Emily, why can't you just feel grateful for those things? There is nothing you can think about me that is not worse than what I was thinking about myself. What kind of self-absorbed, selfish fucking asshole am I that I can't just enjoy how fortunate I am? So this gratitude practice that you were engaging in actually made you feel Made me hate myself. Yeah, so that seems like it's not effective. So I tried it like three different times. So gratitude practice, what you're saying, doesn't work? It didn't work for me. There absolutely, when I have talked about this story in public, there absolutely is always somebody in the audience who's like, wow, I've always really found it really helpful. Is there anything that has evidence or research has found does work for most people? No, this is the thing is that I knew gratitude, like we're writing a self-help book for women. We're going to have to write about (laughs) gratitude. So I was like, fine, I'll go look at the research and I'll find out what's going to happen about gratitude. And, yeah. and what I Let's found out, that it's bullshit, man. first of all, was that no, gratitude uh, helps a lot. No, it's actually, yeah. Mm-hmm. Helps a lot. Like yeah. you do it one intensely one day and it helps for the next three to six months improving life satisfaction. Yeah, that's big. But clearly yeah. the way that you were doing it was not the way to do it. Yeah. Writing a list of things you're grateful for is not anywhere (laughs) in the research on evidence-based gratitude intervention. So if you've ever tried gratitude and had an experience like I did from writing a list where you're like, I hate this, I hate myself. Or the thing that, like me, where somebody (laughs) says, write a list of things you're grateful for, and I'm just like, no, that sounds, no. Yeah, don't, don't do that. Yeah. That's fine. Unless you've already done it and it works for you in kitchen. That's the thing, is if it does work for you. That's great. And I think the like pop culture articles on self-care and stuff wouldn't keep saying make a list of things you're grateful for if, if it didn't work for... Like a lot of journalists have done it and it worked for them because clearly they keep writing about it. So it works for somebody. But is So what does the research say to do? Okay, so there's actually two ways to do gratitude that work and neither of them is make a list of things. <laughs> I call that what you're grateful for. Mm-hmm. What you're grateful for is not a thing. Not evidence-based, but maybe it works for some people in which case right for you. So for the rest of us thing the first thing you can do that like just do it intensely sort of one day and it gives you a three-month boost is the gratitude letter or what i call who you're grateful for not what you're grateful for but who and this is the gratitude letter practice which i'm sure you've heard about please tell me you've heard about other places where you sit and you write a letter that you may or may not ever share with that person expressing your gratitude for something they did it's often people try this with someone that they cannot write to anymore somebody who has died or somebody where they never knew that person's name You sit down and write to that person, here's a thing you contributed to my life that helped me in ways I've never expressed to you, and I want to stop and say thank you for the role that you played in making my life better. That's who you're grateful for, and it will improve your life. 
You can just write it and then like burn it to send it up to heaven where the person is. You can write it and then send it to the person. You can write it. And man, if you want that six month boost, here's what you do. You write your gratitude letter and then you sit in the same room with that person and you read it to them. Dude. Yeah. That sounds intense. Can you imagine doing that even with your husband? No. No, that's <laughs> too many feelings. We, here's the caveat, we suck at feelings. We didn't write a book about self-help because we're so awesome at it. Because we're so good at feelings. We wrote it because it's we're terrible at it. We had to, we had to read the research. It's about really hard feelings. work for us. So we have the evidence to support that this works? Yeah. But man, six months, I bet that lasts for six months because that is yeah. deep and intense. I actually did write... Oh, gratitude letter to you? Yeah, you told me once, and I'm never going to. It's like too much feelings to like read it. No, I mean, like maybe I should. I guess that might be good for us both. It was published I'm in the Powell's City of Books newsletter, so hundreds or thousands of people have read it. <laughs> but it's it's too many feelings for us. At this juncture. Well, that's very nice. Not mentally equipped at this time <laughs> to, to do that much emotional. We are, no. we're, pretty, we're pretty fucked we're up. We're terrible at this. Why are we writing a podcast about it? Okay, because it's good for people and it's good for us. And it's, and I did it and it was good. It look, was really good. I'm glad I did it. It's called a practice. Just it's knowing that I just, it's called a practice, not it's a called, perfect. It's called a practice. It's a gratitude practice, not gratitude perfect. The point is that you try. That's, that's really, is you. that like a that dumb try. teacher thing? It's a dumb teacher thing. It's a, it's a mindfulness meditation teacher thing that it's meditation practice. It's mindfulness practice. It's Tai Chi practice. Not it's a practice, perfect. not a perfect, like it's yoga a, practice. Yeah, it's a practice. It's a yoga practice, you're not a yoga to, perfect. The fact that you even tried is so good for you. One day I want to have a yoga perfect. <laughs> There's no such thing. That's the point. Yeah. So I also have a gratitude practice and it's terrible. Yeah, but that means you're doing it right. Yeah, because I'm doing, doing it. you're doing it at all, yeah. you're doing it right. And it, it was really good for me to write the thing. So for all our joking about how terrible we are at it, like, just the trying will give you the Do benefit. it badly. You if know? it's worth doing, it's worth doing, doing badly. badly. 100%. Gratitude counts as one of those things. Okay, so the f first evidence-based way to do gratitude is who you're grateful for. It's the gratitude letter. And you can share it with the uh, subject of your gratitude letter or not as suits you but man if you can it's super wicked good for you so that was our first evidence-based yeah. gratitude intervention and it genuinely does increase happiness and life satisfaction and sense of meaning and purpose and oh my god is it so good for you and you should definitely do it take an hour and like do it you'll make your life better so the gratitude for who you have or who you're grateful for is a short-term, quick-fix gratitude boost. It is super wicked good for you. But man, if you want a long-term gratitude lifter, you do a how the things you're grateful for happen or a gratitude for how things happen. Not what you have, but how it is you got to have those things in the first place. At the end of the day, here's what you do. You ready? Okay, here's what you do. At the end of each day, you think of some event or circumstance for which you feel grateful and you write about it in four different steps. Step one, you give the event or circumstance a title, like made it through that meeting without yelling or crying. Or that is a huge success. Went to the grocery store and bought everything I needed and could afford it. Or 
got to watch my kids dance recital. Whatever it is, you give it a title. Then you write down what happened, including details about who was involved, what you said or did. Um, you basically tell the story of what happened. Then step three, you describe how it made you feel at the time and how you feel now as you think about it. So step one, give it a title. Step two, write the story of what happened, including anyone involved and what you said or did. Step three, describe how it made you feel at the time and how you feel while you're writing about it. And then step four, this is the most important one, explain how the event or circumstance came to be. What was the cause? What was the confluence of circumstances that came to create this specific situation or moment? So when I read the research and I saw that it was actually much more, it was not just write a list of mm -hmm. things you're grateful for, but like sit down, stop and think about this thing that you're grateful for. Source of that. How did it come to be that you were a person who had this? Mm -hmm. So when I sat down and I wrote, had a house to come home to, and uh, I wrote how I felt at the time. I felt like warm and safe. And how do I feel when I reflect on the coming home? I feel this really deep sense of like gratitude that I have this safety and this warmth and this comfort of a place I can come to. And then I describe how the event or circumstance came to be. The reason I have this house is because my boyfriend at the time and I wanted to live together, but I had a big dog and there were some cats involved too. And the mortgage for a house was half the cost of rent in any apartment that it would let us have those animals. Mm -hmm. And so we bought a house. That's so, and, and he paid the mortgage for years. Mm -hmm. So in order for me to be grateful that I've got a roof over my head, I have to be grateful for the confluence of pets and people and the economy, uh, economy and like all the levels of privilege that got us to a place where we could afford to pay this rent a mortgage every month and get the mortgage. And I had to be grateful for like really deep, big systems that carried me like a tide to a place where I had a house I lived in which is so much more than just being grateful for the roof over my head. And it's harder to feel guilty about having something good when you understand that it happened not from nowhere. It wasn't just blessed on you, you know, by some high order of being, but rather there were huge it came to me. circumstances that right. came together with your efforts and other people's efforts. And it's bigger than just a roof. And in fact, this addresses all of the criticism and negative feelings I had just doing the list because it takes like the student loan that paid my mortgage for all that time and says I'm grateful that I could even get that loan and that the education I'm getting is likely to put me in a position where I can pay for the education eventually. And yes, it's a deeply fucked up system and it shouldn't be this way, but here I am and that's not nothing. That is something to be aware of when I'm like fully aware of how I got to a place that feels good to me. Because where we started was that this is something that feels good to me. It totally changed. Doing this practice every day really shifted my sense of how much good stuff there was happening for me in the world, which was really motivating for me to help create positive change so that everybody else could have the kind of opportunities and access I had.
was really, really fundamentally a shift for me. I will say that the research says to do this for three events every day for a <laughs> week. very time consuming. I um, did not do that. <laughs> I did one a day for three weeks. Yeah. And it, it really did train my brain. Mm-hmm. Not just to notice like what's a good thing that's happening right now, but also a combination of the external resources that made this possible. And to be frank, the personal strengths that I bring to a situation that helped to manifest it. Mm -hmm. Like it's not, I didn't just get lucky. Right. There's some luck involved. Yeah. But I can also notice the, the things about me that made good things possible. I can value those good things and leverage them in the future because I've been forced to pay attention to a thing I did and what I have going on for myself that made it possible. So the second evidence-based strategy, yes, it's more effortful than just making a list. And again, if writing a list of things you're grateful for helps you do that. Oh my God, do what works. Yeah. Yeah. We're not condemning it in any way. Just because it made me feel like a douchebag <laughs> doesn't mean it's not a good thing if it's a thing that works for you. And because this is more effortful, but there's research to show that when you do it, yeah. it is the long-term, it is a treatment for depression. Mm. that's how effective it is. So just one more time. One, give it a circumstance. Two, write down what happened, tell the story, everything you said and did, anyone who was involved. Three, describe how it made you feel at the time and how you feel while you're writing it. And four, explain how the event or circumstance came to be. What confluence of situations came together to create this moment. And they do offer the advice that if, as you're starting to write, you feel yourself being drawn into those negative and critical thoughts and feelings... That is not abnormal. That's fine. Just set those to one side and return your attention to the thing you're being grateful for right now. Those critical negative thoughts and feelings will be there waiting for you if maybe when you get done and maybe they'll just be gone by the time you get done with the practice. I have two things to say about gratitude. Okay. If you're, if you're good. Go for it. Okay. Yep, those are the things. So zooming out from those things to like consider this bonus content this is also not mandatory but gratitude for adversity is a thing is it okay if i talk about that yeah you should definitely talk about that so when i started my doctoral program i knew that it was going to be hard so i started you need more of a caveat right there because i'm already like fuck you sorry (laughs) i mean like i know where you're going with it but i know that my reaction gratitude for adversity like fuck you no no and okay so that's the same reaction i had the first time my therapist told me this so i'm meeting my (laughs) is this the this is so good for you story (laughs) this is not that story but it felt like that story at the time yeah no i have had i've had people tell me this is so good for you when i was like having a nervous breakdown and i was like fuck you anyway so i start therapy because i'm going into my doctor i know it's gonna be hard so this is the first time i've ever met this therapist and I'm saying, like, well, I'm coming to you because I'm about to start grad school and I know it's going to be stressful and I want to have to deal with it. And uh, I've been diagnosed with clinical depression. And last time I was in grad school, I ended up with just this really deep depression. And I definitely don't want to end up there again. So this therapist says to me, did you ever think that the depression might be something you could be grateful for? What? No, no, it was a horrible dark hole. I was in a fucking cave. How was being in a cave something you're grateful for? So I'm, you know, 
sobbing in the therapist's office. I've been there two minutes. I'm already crying. And uh, she's like, well, did it have anything to teach you? Does it have anything to tell you? And I was like, no, it's just bad. It's just a cave. It's just a hole in a swamp full of bacteria and ooze. And no, it's just bad. It's just bad. Fast forward five years. (laughs) I've been hospitalized twice. I've been seeing this therapist the whole time. Uh, And... Uh, and I finished my doctorate. I'm like, you know what? I'm so grateful to my depression because I learned. I'm so grateful for my depression. I'm so grateful I was hospitalized. That sounds so fucked up and crazy. Yes, it sounds so fucked up and crazy. Please explain. I learned how to be a person. Fuck. This is Amelia writing a gratitude letter to her depression. This is what it feels like. And I have already done this work, actually. I've already... But it's hard. It doesn't stop. No. Just because you've done it once doesn't mean you're done. And the the thing is, gratitude is so alive physiologically. Like, it causes this really intense burst of chemistry inside of us. And it is so good for you, Amelia. It's so good for you. It's so good for you. It took me... Five, maybe only four years before that therapist got to like, she never said, I told you so, but she totally earned the right to say, I told you so. Because yeah, I learned how to be a person. I learned that my feelings are all valid. And we're going to do another episode about meta emotions, how you feel about how you feel. So like, I didn't have a choice whether or not I was depressed, but I did have the choice not to hate it. I had the choice to just be like, hey, depression, boy, you're not easy to live with, but hi. Oh, is there something I should be learning from you now? Oh, okay. Depression is teaching me that I need to lay down and take a nap. Depression is teaching me that, I don't know, whatever else, lots and lots of things, too many things to even talk about or lay out. Uh, And the second thing about gratitude for adversity is I want to talk about fucking Brandon Sanderson. Brandon Sanderson is a author of high fantasy. Hold on one second. I'm going to put it in caveat here. I notice that you're saying you're grateful to the depression. (laughs) And that's, that's like you are grateful to have had the opportunity and the challenge so that you could learn, which is not the same thing as being so glad that some bad thing happened to you. You can hate what happened to you and still be grateful for what happened as a result of that, which is part of what the uh, grateful for how you have this stuff is so good for. Like, okay, so maybe a terrible situation started the thing, but as a result of having the resources you Something have, your personal out. strengths and, and the again, people around you. Gratitude is not as some fixed state. Yeah. And it exists alongside the rage and the resentment and the annoyance and the like, what the fuck did I have to have depression? How come my brain has this tendency to have this? Why am I cursed with this fucked up brain? I'm mad about that. I'm irritated. And it's not fair. It's not fair. But I... Uh, it helped me in the end. So let's talk about Brandon Sanderson. That's my second thing. Brandon Sanderson is the author of many large-scale high fantasy books. And the first time I ever read something by him, it was in a short story collection called Dangerous Women. 
Um, uh, it's really good. It's a science fiction and fantasy short story collection um, featuring dangerous women. It's really good. There's a lot of fantastic stories in it. Uh, and Brandon Sanderson's story was about um, a woman who's raising two daughters in this really violent, dangerous environment where she was raised by her grandmother and her grandmother was really cruel to her in order to teach her how to deal with this very, very dangerous environment. And her grandmother's cruelty taught her to fight so that she could protect herself from this dangerous environment. Um, but it also made her, um, made it hard for her to be a good mother to her daughters. She did everything she could to be completely the opposite of how her grandmother raised her in the way she's raising her daughters. But the strength and the skills and the sort of ability to commit violence is a thing that saves her life, saves her daughter's life. And when she sees that her daughter has also learned how to do these things and uses them to save her, both of their lives, um, it's uh, complicated. But so in the end, she's like, thank you, grandmother, for teaching me, and I hate you. Thank you, and I hate you at the same time. And I was like, dude, that guy has been to my therapy sessions. Is he like <laughs> doing a being John Malkovich thing where he's like sitting in my brain while I'm in therapy? Like, how does he know? The Thank you, and I hate you. Thank you. I hate you. Like, genuinely grateful. I learned so much. You made me capable of blah, blah, blah. And I hate you because it was unpleasant. Oh, not just like, unpleasant, not just like, unpleasant, because she was deprived she was, of things yes. humans require. Yes. She got something else instead. Yes. Yeah. But yes. was still deprived yeah. of something. Thank you. I hate you. So now let's talk about after I read that short story, I'm like, who's this Brandon Sanderson guy? Turns out he's like really famous and has multiple <laughs> New York Times bestselling series, not just a book or a scene, but like multiple series, some of which are in this interlocking, interlocking universe he calls the Cosmere. Anyway, so I just listened to about uh, two or three hundred hours of audiobook of his Stormlight series. And this Stormlight series also features some really further deep explorations of this same thing. So one of the characters is named Kaladin. So spoiler alert, if you don't want to know how the last, the third Stormlight book ends, like just fast forward right now. So there's this character Kaladin. He's a member of an oppressed population. Uh, he was enslaved and then raised to a higher uh, level of uh, society through his heroics on the battlefield, through his generosity and his desire to help people, um, to protect them. He's given magical powers because of that, actually. Um, but as that's happening, sometimes he's like, I just, I give up. I try to protect people and they all die. I try to protect people and they all die. Um, and so they come to the end, the very last battle, where he is fighting with the man who had him enslaved. And uh, the man who had him enslaved is like, I made you. I gave you that warrior's poise. I gave you that blah, blah, blah. I'm the reason you're here is because I enslaved you. I did this to you. I started this. I forged you. And he's like, no, you didn't. Well, obviously he's like, no, you didn't. Okay. <laughs> and he's like, no, you didn't. What forged me, what saved me, was the men that I saved. Was the continued desire to go and help people, and then those people who, in the end, actually come by and save his life, in the end, literally. Like, they come and shoot the guy with an arrow. So, the thing he's grateful for is not actually the thing that hurt him initially, but for the struggle 
the continued effort he made into continuing just to stay alive, but also to protect other people, which is something that he thought was really important. Okay, so as we do this, mm -hmm. I am now, for the first time, Jesus, having the insight that gratitude is meaning. Oh, something larger. Yeah, remember our story of uh, Roxane Gay? Right. She, what makes, what makes a survivor a survivor is not the terrible thing that happens to them. Right. It is the resources in themselves and in the world that they leverage to pull themselves out. Yes. To recover and heal and transform the world as a result of their recovery. Yeah. So there's another character in the book who is the um, one of the highest ranking people in the society. So the polar opposite of Kaladin. Um, and he had been, he's the king's brother and he was a fierce warrior his whole life. Um, but he had this thing that he called the thrill that he identified, which was this killing rage that made him a warrior who could win any battle. He could defeat an entire army single-handed. He was famous for it. They call him the Blackthorn because he's this fierce warrior. Um, so in the end, it turns out that that thrill, that, that red mist of rage that drove him to kill, that made him a warrior, that actually drove him to create a circumstance where he burned an entire town and killed an entire town full of men and women and children, including his own wife, who he did not know was there. The guilt and the despair of that act drives him to another magical situation where he has his memory erased, but then he has memories recovered gradually because of circumstances and magic and things. And in the end, it turns out that that red mist of rage, that thrill, had been foisted upon him by the evil that is the main evil that they're fighting throughout this 300 hours of audiobook. So here's this guy. He's been this fierce warrior who had this rage that caused him to do an unthinkable thing that he could barely live with after the fact. And here he is at the end of the battle and this evil, evil, evil dude says like, yeah, I'm the one who gave you that rage. I'm the one who caused you to do those things. It wasn't your fault. You can hand all of that guilt to me. And see if he hands this evil guy all his guilt, like, He's a magic character, so he can just like give away his guilt, just like he can give away his me memories. If you give me your guilt, this will all be over and you don't have to hurt anymore. And he's like, no, that's my pain. You can't have it. And that makes him a champion for good, as opposed to if he had handed over his guilt, he would have been a champion for evil. And when he accepts the pain on his own, it starts to fade. He holds on to it like, no, this is my pain and I deserve it and I'm going to hold on to it. This is mine and I accept responsibility for my actions. And that act itself makes the pain start to become more tolerable. You know, we were, where were we that you were listening to this audiobook? Disney World. We were at Disney fucking World. Yeah. Right? And you were listening to this audiobook. And you were like listening to this audiobook the whole time. Yeah. If we were in the room, you were listening to this audiobook. Yeah. And I was like, why is she... Ugh. She's in Disney World. We're on vacation. Why can't you just... But as you're saying all these things, I'm like, that's really good. So the battle is won. He defeats evil. He becomes a champion for good. He actually becomes unity. He's got these magic powers that are granted to him because of his whatever, whatever. Magic, blah, blah, blah. Um, and his one of these things that he says, he goes, I am unity. And he becomes the person who's capable of like collapsing all these many worlds into one. I am unity. 
that's I think also a metaphor for the sense of like holding on to your yes all pain. Thank you. I hate you. Yes. Thank you. I hate you. Exactly. So um, that's what she said in that uh, in that short story. story. And then so he's able to turn to that thrill, which he knows was literally foisted upon him by a power of evil, and he can see it in himself coming back. And he says, "Thank you to the thrill. Thank you for keeping me safe." And then he like lets it go and doesn't use it, but it comes to him, and he's like, "Yep." I see you there. Thank you for keeping me safe. Brandon Sanderson, man. It's like he's in my therapy sessions. Yeah. Dude. And that's also Pandora's. She was gifted a box of horrors. Yeah. And told not to look at them. And because she looked at them, she apparently is to blame for all those horrors being released into the world and not the divines who gifted them, gifted her the horrors. Right. Yeah. So if... You're like, well, now I know the end of that series. First of all, no, that's the end of book three, and there's another book coming out in November. But next year, next, of 2020. 20, yeah, so so after the election, when we are done with this yes. fucking project. Yes, there will be a fourth book in the series. But in the meantime... You can disappear into that I, book for a while. I, for one, really like to know how a book ends. I, I, I'm much more comfortable when I know what's going to happen. And then I go back and listen to it again, and I like it much better the yeah. second time when I'm not worried about... The research actually does show that people yes. don't want to have things spoiled, but they, they like enjoy it better, better when, when they, they know how it ends. And they know what's going to happen. Yes, I am 100%. So if you are, um, if you at all enjoy high fantasy, this is the Stormlight series by Brandon Sanderson. If these ideas are challenging to you, or if you're really curious about them... Um, fiction's a great way to explore stuff you're uncomfortable with because it's just a story. And it's about magic. And it's about magic and like sprens and spirits. And, and like the cosmine? The what? Cosmere. The cosmere. Cosmere. Right. It's, yeah, I don't even know how to explain it. It's just okay. they have a set of gods and beliefs and the origin story and a geography and I don't know. It's a whole big universe. It's basically Lord of the Rings, but with women in it. So what did we say? We said... Lists of things that you're grateful for. Things your character. A list of things you're grateful for is not the an evidence based way to practice gratitude. If it works for you, great. And if it doesn't, how about try an evidence based strategy? One of those strategies is the gratitude letter, which you can read about anywhere. It's a very popular thing to talk about. The second is the what uh, uh, the how how you get the stuff you're grateful for, and that is to write. You give the event a title, you talk about what happened, you talk about how those circumstances came to be and how you felt at the time and how you feel while you're writing it. We talked about how you can be grateful for bullshit, for terrible things. Adversity. Adversity. You can be grateful. You don't have to be. You don't have to. You can. No. And being grateful for something bad does not mean that you're not still mad. Yeah. Does not mean that you don't still hurt. Does not mean that what happened was okay. It just means that you acknowledge that you grew as a result or something happened that was helpful as a result so if the sentence thank you and i hate you thank you i hate you makes sense to you yes yeah yes 100 and if it doesn't make sense to you that's also fine and if there curious, might come a time yeah. in your life yeah when you are grateful for something that happened and you also hate it yeah you do not need to resolve that nope you don't have to resolve that they are not opposites yeah they stand side by side sometimes yeah for some things yeah and these kinds of ideas do get explored in in fiction in ways that i think real life people don't talk about much because it sounds so challenging it sounds so dismissive to tell someone to be grateful for something terrible um that i think that people don't want to talk about it because it could be misinterpreted so easily so easily the way that i misinterpreted it the first moment that my therapist was like 
Do you ever think you can learn something from your depression? No, fuck you, it's just evil. Turns out, yeah, it's bad and evil and unpleasant, but yeah, I totally did learn. Yeah. But, I mean, if you could choose having it or not having it. I mean, if you didn't have it, you wouldn't have had to learn those things. That's maybe true. Yeah. Which is why it's thank you and I hate you. Thank you and I hate you. And thank you. Yeah. And I hate you. Yeah. Both of those things simultaneously. Yeah. Um, and the insight that we've had along the way is that go back and listen to our Something Larger podcast, our meeting podcast, because it turns out gratitude is just one way of identifying how whatever it is that we're grateful for connects us to our something larger, our sense yeah. of meaning and purpose. And meaning is really good for you. Gratitude is good for you because it gives you a sense of meaning and yeah. purpose, connection. So maybe we can link down in the thing below to there's a, I wrote a, a medium article and also linked to a video that I recorded of me singing a song by Nicole Nordeman called gratitude, which is about being grateful for things that we didn't ask for and being grateful for not receiving the things that we do ask for. And that is this week's episode of the feminist survival project 2020. If any of this was written, not much of it was. It was written by us. I'm Emily Nagoski. And Amelia Nagoski. If it was edited, it was edited by my marital euphemism. Any music is by... Amelia. And you can follow us on the social medias uh, at FSP2020, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can email us uh, at the Feminist Survival Project 2020 at gmail.com. Uh, have you ever tried making the list of things you're grateful for and ended up in a tearing rage like me? Mm-hmm. Or does writing the list help you and it's great? Have you ever felt grateful for something that you also still hated? Does feeling grateful feel like a fucking project? Have you ever felt like gratitude was a weapon someone used against you? You should be grateful. And you were like, I'm not going to be grateful. Have you ever felt like gratitude was a little bit oppressive that was being foisted upon you? Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Let us know. We want to know. We want to know. And in the meantime, thank you for listening. One day I want to have a yoga perfect.